Podcast, a weekly podcast that discusses what's going on in the world through the eyes of the long-forgotten group, Generation X. I want to thank you all for tuning in to our third episode. Uh, really appreciate it. And um, with all of that being said, let's just jump right into things. There's been a lot in the news about racial tension. As a matter of fact, when has there ever been a time when we didn't have racial tension? While it usually dealt with minorities wanting to be portrayed in a more accurate light, it seems white people want to rewrite history, citing that the other side wants to rewrite their history. The whole critical race theory shouldn't be taught in elementary school kid to elementary school kids. It isn't. It never was. It's only taught selectively in college law classes. It's an exercise in showing how the law itself is based in racism. And that's it. Now, I remember four years ago when Trump was elected president, conservatives thrived in the tears of liberals, and that was their endgame. That was the whole shebangabang. Now that their guy lost, they're crying more than they cried, than liberals cried. We need a safe space. Now, white people claim that they don't want their white children to be taught to hate their own whiteness, not feel bad for being white. Why not? You know how long in school, media, and society said that I couldn't be anything great unless I was white? But that's not the crux of this. Written history is not an accurate portrayal of history. Obviously, history is written by the victor. And when you gloss over certain events, you create a narrative that no one can live up to, or believe for that matter. Like America has always been the land of the freedom. Not if you were a minority. The... Trail of Tears, Japanese internment camps, the KKK domination in the South, the Tuskegee experiments, oh yeah, and slavery. The American narrative is a myth. Now, I love this country. My father fought for this country in World War II. He was proud to be an American, but he was a forced conformist to this country's ideals. Don't speak Spanish, you're American. Listen to the police and people of authority. He was a naturalized citizen, but that was the ideal. He had the dream for a while. His brothers and him started a produce company, made money and supported their families while my mom stayed and while the mom stayed home. I never really thought about racism growing up, though. Meaning, I never viewed someone by the color of their skin. I had a United Nations of friends throughout school and into my adult life. I have had some people call me racist for not liking them, but I didn't like someone not for the color of their skin, but because they were an asshole. To me, racism is the dumbest thing in the world you can be on the planet. Thinking one race is better than another is asinine. And please, I don't believe one race cannot be racist. All races are capable of racism. As long as one race can hate another, for generalities, racism can never go away. There was a myth that racism disappeared when Barack Obama became president. Now, unless you were in a... you were in a mental nirvana of your mind, 
it was more evident than ever. Insecure whites and Mexicans let their racism shine. I didn't care one way or another, to be honest, about his race. I don't care what color you are. Just do a good job and you won't hear a complaint from me. That isn't to say I'm perfect. And when I was in high school in the early 90s, we had race wars going on at school. Neighborhood Mexican kids would get into fights with the bus black kids from L.A. And I thought it was stupid because what were they really fighting over? That didn't stop me from making friends with both sides. In fact, that saved my ass a few times. They would warn me something was going down because, um, only because, oh, oh, he's cool. I heard shit from Mexicans during the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter marches last year. Why should I give a fuck about the blacks? Mexican people are treated like shit. And I would look and say, you're kind of proving their point. That's what's, that's why I was so proud when I saw Asians and Latinos and LGBTQ and white people joining the marches and standing up. You can't save anyone if you don't try saving one. I heard this BS proverb. Well, when your neighbor's house is on fire, you don't haggle over the hose. Yeah, you do. If it's someone you don't like, what have, you, what have they done for me? Or how many times have you not helped someone over petty shit, including the color of their skin? Racism is stupid. Always has been. Which is weird because growing up in a Mexican household, it usually tends the other way. But I think a lot of it was my parents. Oh, don't get me wrong. They talked shit behind your back. But they were there for anyone. They were, you were a cool person? They would talk to you kind of admired how many people loved my parents. That rubbed off on me. I was one of those people that never saw Archie Bunker as a role model. I saw him as a laughing stock. Now this budding white culture that says we shouldn't teach kids about the civil rights movement because it portrays whites in a bad light. Yet these are the same group of people that have no problem teaching that Mexicans would conduct human sacrifices and call Indians savages. But God forbid we don't tell kids that just because white people came to a country didn't mean they discovered it. People were already there. While Columbus did land in the Caribbean, he wasn't a good guy. But that is a bridge too far. Jocelyn Elders was appointed by her state's governor to be the director of the Arkansas Health Department. She was asked at the first press conference whether she favored giving condoms to public school children. Well, I'm not going to put them on their lunch trays, but yes, she answered. On her desk in Little Rock, she put a Ozark rubber plant that spouted curled condoms. She told an abortion rights rally that abortion foes need to get over, quote-unquote, their love affair with fetuses. She badgered state legislatures for money to pay for sex education and contraception. She did pause to ask, Governor, should I back off? But the governor just replied, No, no, Jocelyn, I love it. Keep it up. Eventually, the state governor was elected president of the United States. He brought elders to the post of Surgeon General. She described her job as Surgeon General as a bully pulpit, which preached without regard for political consequences. Should homosexuals be allowed to join the Boy Scouts, inquired the advocate, a gay magazine. Absolutely, declared elders. And lesbians should be allowed to join the Girl Scouts, too. Ask why the government should spend more on AIDS research than on heart disease and cancer, she replied, most of the people who die with heart disease and cancer are, are our elderly population. 
She took special delight in tweaking the religious right, who she often referred to as the unchristian religious right, for her opposition to her proposals on sex and AIDS education in schools. She announced that Medicare must have been developed by a white male slave owner because it failed to pay for new forms of contraception like RU486. She seemed to court disaster. She suggested studying the legislation, the legalization of drugs, arguing that it would reduce inner-city crime. Two weeks later, Arkansas police arrested her son for selling cocaine to a police informer in a sting operation the previous summer. He admitted that he was a cocaine addict and received 10-year prison sentence. The inevitable outcry swept talk radio. The right dubbed elders as the condom queen. The traditional value coalitions mailed petitions to 30,000 churches to request her dismissal as Surgeon General. White House aides recognized that she was becoming a liability. The president's chief of staff told reporters that he had taken elders to a modified woodshed after her comments about abortion foes. Aides said the president himself warned her to be more discreet. But moderation was never her style. Her house near Little Rock had a bathtub that could fit four people and a barbecue large enough to roast a cow. Elders has lived all her life by defiance. The daughter of a sharecropper, she never saw a doctor as a child, but she became a pediatric endocrinologist and published 150 research papers. Home from medical school for a visit in 1957, she took a couple of her young siblings to a drive-in movie. Told to park in the back because she was black, she parked her car in the middle and refused to budge. When asked at a UN conference on AIDS crisis if children should be taught to quote-unquote self-care as a safer alternative to sex, Elder responded, I think that is something that is part of, of human sexuality and it's part of something that perhaps should be taught. A Surgeon General suggested that masturbation should be taught in school during the height of the AIDS crisis? Well, the radical right didn't take too kindly to that, and they clamored for her firing. And in December 1994, President Bill Clinton asked her for her resignation to appease the right. This is one of the earliest records of cancel culture. You hear everyone on social media wanting to cancel people because of an idea, or a thought, or maybe a drunken misstep. There's a problem with that philosophy. We should all be canceled. The only reason we're not is because we didn't record it or post it on social media. Swear to God, I'm so glad mobile devices and social media wasn't around in the 80s. Of course, the biggest problem with cancel culture is that it's just as partisan as anything else in the world today. You said the N-word, canceled. Without context, it could sound bad. Bill Maher was attempted to be canceled because he, quote-unquote, referred to himself as a slave, would be a house N-word. No one cared for the context in which he used it, but it was the word alone. This is one of the major issues we have in this country, mostly due to those phony social justice warriors and free thinkers. Now, let's get one thing straight about this. This isn't just the left. Unlike what Trumpian spokespersons tell you, People like Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Jim Jordan hang their hats on screaming cancel culture because they don't like to be held accountable or responsible for anything they do. They decry that cancel culture is a move from the left for authoritarianism. When someone asks something that is blatantly racist, they should be held accountable. However, just because someone has a different ideal ideology isn't a crime against humanity. That being said, 
You know who used cancel culture more? Who uses cancel culture more than anyone? Conservatives. Notable before Trump and his litany of cancellations. Remember the Dixie Chicks? In 2003, conservatives turned on their own country music icons because during a performance in England, lead singer Natalie Maines said, Just so you know, we're on the good side with y'all. We don't want this war, this violence, and we're ashamed that the President of the United States is from Texas. Country music fans were sung so gung-ho American that speaking ill of a president at a time of war, which he did start, was paramount to treason. So what did they do? They canceled them. Country music fans, music stations, and fellow artists around the country disavowed them and even destroyed their cassettes and CDs, reportedly by the millions. 2003 was a big year for cancellations. Conservatives rallied around the president to cancel anyone that didn't support him. Sound a little familiar? The kindergarten playground, also known as the House of Representatives, canceled French fries. Why? Well, because France didn't support our move into the disastrous Iraq war. Remember Freedom Fries? Janet Jackson was canceled the following year because of the whole Nipplegate stunt. Even though it was Justin Timberlake who ripped it off, he played stupid, which is what people like, and everyone blamed her because, you know, we always blame the females for any situation. And then there's Trump, a man that cried that all people's attempt to hold him accountable. He claims cancel culture is a mark of authoritarianism. Is it, though? Here are a few things he tried to cancel during his term when he said it was going out of control. Carl Rove, the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, Megyn Kelly, the Dallas Morning News, and Arizona Republic, protesting NFL players, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, the New York Times, Twitter, Univision, Rolling Stone Magazine, Apple, Amazon, Macy's, Goodyear, Mexico, Scotland, Italy, China, and Harley-Davidson. And why did he want people to boycott them? Oh, because they said mean things about him or didn't show the proper excitement about him that he felt he deserved. Growing up, if someone was talking shit about you, you confronted them in person. That's the biggest problem with social media is that it gives this keyboard pussy lifestyle cretins. I'm not man enough to face them in person, but I'll talk shit about them on social media. And then I'll have this fake view of being tough. Well, there's a saying in the Bible. He who is without sin, cast the first stone. If you can't be this beacon of purity and be a standalone bearer of purity, you should be out in front of the cameras. But there's a problem. There will be someone out there that will find fault in you. An attempt to cancel someone is a double-edged sword. Now, someone like Shane Dawson, who had been known for starting shit for a while, when an old video of him talking inappropriately with Willow Smith when she was 11 may be a good reason, you know, to try. But when you pick a fight with someone like Lana Del Rey over with a silly observation, you need to fucking chill. Last year, she was hit for not having empowering songs for women. And instead of saying someone akin to, well, there are other artists out there, you can listen to them and fuck off, she made the biggest mistake anyone can make on social media. She tried to defend herself. She listed off a bunch of other singers that don't empower women, and they all happen to be women of color. So, of course, that turned her into a racist. Sebastian Stan from Winter Soldier fame 
was attempted to be canceled because his girlfriend and her friend dressed as geishas. And he merely commented on the photo. But because he didn't call her out for cultural appropriation, they tried to cancel him. There is something to be said for calling people out for real issues. Someone said repeatedly something racist, sexist, or threatening. But just because someone holds doesn't hold your high moral values, which they aren't, shouldn't be canceled. They have different ideological viewpoints, which isn't a serious offense for cancellation. My biggest question, my bigger question actually, would be, is there something in your life that you can't be canceled for? Doesn't matter context, just that one moment in time, a recorded moment without the beginning or end, and it doesn't matter if you can justify it. And apparently, it doesn't matter how long ago it was either. You could have been a teenager. Look at Billy Ellish. So, someone that said something years ago, that doesn't mean said person can't change. If there is an unflattering moment in your life that could get you canceled, then you really need to shut the fuck up. Thanks for tuning in. This show is ad-free, and we would like to keep it that way. And we can only do that with your support. If you would like to donate to make this podcast and all the shows on the Lazy Geeks Network self-sustaining, you can go to thelazygeeks.com and click on the Donate button. If you don't like to um, donate through PayPal, we do have a Venmo account at thelazygeeks underscore 1010, and you can donate there. And if you can't help us out monetarily, we understand. You can share the show with your buddies, though, and rate the show on iTunes. It'll give us bigger exposure more people will be able to find us and, you know, we'll be able to build up that listener base. It helps. Believe me. And you can also check out all the other shows available on the Lazy Geeks Network. There's the Truly Pointless Podcast, my geek news show, the Lazy Geeks, and our Star Trek-centric podcast, The Away Team. All are available wherever you get this show. Now, if you want to be a part of the show, hit us up with uh, comments, questions, or even ideas for future episodes. Because at some point, I'm going to need them. So catch us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under at the Lazy Geeks, or email us, thegenxer73 at gmail.com. And if you also want to follow me and my exploits, whatever you want to call them, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at thegen underscore xer. Um, you can also read my personal blog, which is thegenxerjournals at uh, thegenxerjournals.com. <laughs> so that is it for us this week. So until next time, I'm Steven Vargas. And between the battle of the boomers and the millennials, there are the Gen Xers. <laughs> <laughs>